Veronica Villam was born and raised in New York City on the Upper East Side. She grew up always creative, building Barbie houses out of shoes and tape, studying ballet and musical theater. She started modeling when she was 15. Since then, she's been able to explore the world and work with the most influential, creative, inspiring people in the business. She continues to be creative. She's still acting. She has an all-girl band called Come Girl 8, which is a punk, shoegazy, psychedelic vibe. Adrian and Veronica DJ together, where they play hardcore techno at underground New York parties. They love clothes and making clothes and styling clothes and being able to put creative input into anything and everything. While doing all of that, she's been slowly getting her degree in advertising and marketing. If anybody wants to know my bio, I'll start telling like my whole family. <laughs> the family tree. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Um, First of all, I love you guys so much. The two of you are just so special and to me represent the hope of tomorrow. I think you embody it in every way and um, I've been very fortunate in the last five years to really get a glimpse of the future through people and whatever the universe has dropped on me. And you guys are a part of that. So I am doing so so I thought it would be fun for you guys to interview me. And first of all, how old are you, Veronica? I'm twenty four. And thirty one. Okay. So the two of you are um, a couple. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, and are very um, unique in many ways, but you also represent sort of a a future look at what the youth of today are about, and that there's this individual spirit. Not everybody is the same. There's sort of a little bit of what I experienced in the 60s, where in the 70s, sorry, where there was this entrepreneurial individual um, energy that was very exciting and, and creative. So I'm honored to have you here and I'm ready for your questions. Yay. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for having <laughs> us because you're such a legend, really mm-hmm. like a true inspiration in so many ways for myself also being a New Yorker and kind of having a similar background in certain ways. Like we both went to the same elementary school. Yes, which we is did. That's very really creepy. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very creepy. I mean, well, not creepy. I in think a good way. In, yeah, yeah, in the best way. Yeah. Like, that's small really world. small world. Right. And we, we grew, grew up, up in the same neighborhood. Same. On the same block. Yes. Yeah. So funny. Which is, yeah, really, yeah, really special. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask a question. If you could go anywhere in the world today... Or tomorrow, and no, with no obligations, you know, yeah, turn the phone off, no job. Where would you go, and why? And why? Um, so I did a lot of traveling when I was your age, um, and I saw all the places um, I really wanted to see and the curiosity. And there are places that I would always go back to. I love India. I love Japan. Um, I think the 
the culture of those countries are still very true and very alive and not sort of dissipated by this global by western of, culture yeah. yeah or just how everything is melding mm-hmm. um together but i i think um the exploration for me is not so much the country to go to but there's something about the exploration of the mind that i'm more interested in like cool. what's what's the future and it's really in artificial intelligence in the mind and what we're able to do on a whole higher level that involves the planet so i i think i love being in different places i get energized by it but i think there's um you're in the age where you have to feel all of that and have that in your memory bank so i've i really was fortunate working for the airlines to go everywhere but now it's sort of the future to me is the mind and intelligence and so i'm fascinated by that it's almost like going to mars or to a cool. planet you've never yeah. been before I mean that yeah totally I think that there you know it's kind of wherever you go in some ways there you are but your brain is really what can take you to a different place yeah cuz at any moment you can decide like I feel really good right now if mm-hmm. something bad happens you could be like well I'm not going to let this affect me negatively I can mm-hmm. take it and make it in a positive way and then it turns into something good yeah. and you don't have to sit there and like be you know upset about it yeah Um yeah so I know that you were I have a question now. Um so yeah you just mentioned that you were working for the airline and you were traveling and I remember you telling me before that you were kind of stuck here in New York with the fashion here and you felt like it was kind of old and I know mm-hmm. you were at FIT and it, you mm-hmm. felt like you weren't learning or you weren't feeling creative. But then you were saying when you were working for the airline that you were able to go to London and you were going every weekend and learning a lot about um or they were just innovative mm-hmm. they weren't like New York they that was kind of stuck yeah. in the past what do you feel like you was the most interesting thing about going to London what creatively did you feel like you needed to bring back to New York to, to mm-hmm. make New York what it is today or what you brought to New York So what was happening at the time mm-hmm. was it wasn't just New York that was sort of stagnant and and London was the same quite frankly mm. because we were coming out of the 50s and the early 60s which was just like madman you know the the culture where the man is the cool one and the woman sort of so happy to get her butt patted and wearing corseted clothes yeah. and looking like the femme of femmes mm-hmm. and that was what was happening and clothes were very restricted it was just you were you were held in place right and i was so out of sync with it and i was fascinated with old movies classic movies so i would watch movies from the 30s and 40s and lose my mind over the clothes the makeup the hair and i would spend hours doing the makeup and 
just do everything I could to get my hair that way. And my mother was a hairdresser when she was in her 20s, so she knew how to do Marcel waves and all of those things. And I beg her, Mom, I'll, I'll iron, I'll do everything, just so <laughs> get fun. the hair together <laughs> here. And then I would go to vintage stores. And nobody, you have to put this in perspective, during that madman time, nobody was going to vintage stores. They wouldn't be caught. Yeah. That was not what you did. That's what poor people, they, poor people would go and nobody wanted to look poor then. And so I, I, I couldn't help it. I just wanted that those bias cut dresses and I wanted to slink around like Bohemian all the women. In, yeah, I, and I was obsessed with Cary Grant. I just thought, oh my God, he's so funny, he's so good looking, all of that. So that was in my head. And I also was a painter, so I was always a mess. I always had paint all over me. So there were these two sides. And here I am at FIT, so out of sync with everybody. And when I graduated, the idea of traveling and seeing the world was just like you guys. You travel, look what, how it's changed you from when you left to who you are now. So I traveled everywhere. I was so lucky to, to be able to do it for practically nothing. And I did it every weekend. And I was in love with London immediately. And that one little store that I saw the first trip where there was this color blasting out of the front of the building and this sound of music that wasn't Motown. Motown was all I was listening to. Mm. It was this other sound and this energy that was happening in a very gray city totally blew my mind. I was so drawn to it and I was meeting musicians and able to go to these private clubs that were just musicians and so I was in the right place at the right time. And I would go every weekend and come back looking like whatever I bought and then everybody was like, please bring that, bring us more, bring us more. And I was shortening my skirts to mid-thigh. And at the time, never in the history of women wearing clothes in public did you see a woman showing her knees. You have to wow. understand. Yeah, that's that that crazy. was that was never in the history on the streets of New York or in public. So when I came back with my skirts hemmed up to the mid-thigh. I mean, people were yelling out horrible things to me and calling me a prostitute. And it was like, no, if you were in London, you wouldn't call me a prostitute. I was like, I know, and I, I know who I am. And I just really got so excited about it. And then my friends were like, you have got to bring that back. Please get more. So I would bring back piles of clothes that I'd buy at Antiquarius or at Biba or Bus Stop or any of these great shops. And then finally, I thought, I have to open a store because this is crazy. I've entered like a whole other zone. And so that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing. And it's sort of like the universe takes you somewhere. So this trip that you guys took to 
the these exotic beautiful places now you have imprinted in your head this memory the memory of the two of you together sharing this and it's changed your life it 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 has changed your life and every time you have these experiences they can take you down a completely different path than you originally thought you were on yeah totally i think that being able to see different cultures experience different things opens you up to different ideas mm-hmm. and you know one thing that cuz especially now for me growing up in the 21st century i never even really felt like being a woman like i always felt like i could express myself in whatever way i wanted to i always knew there were certain things like women got paid less than men or that you know i knew these things but i never felt like it was going to like hinder me mm-hmm. in whatever endeavor i wanted to create right. for myself but one thing i noticed traveling you know to Southeast Asia was there was some temples like Buddhist temples which I always thought Buddhism was really open and you know it's all about loving yourself where I wasn't being a woman mm-hmm. allowed to go in mm-hmm. and it kind of like part of me wanted to be like a rebel and Adrian even said was like it would have been like really kind of amazing if you went in but at the same time I don't want to like disrespect their mm-hmm. culture but it did kind of raise awareness that we are living in a day and age it's i mean it's kind of great that we can do these things that mm-hmm. you know i i we weren't totally able to agree. do before i i totally agree i think um the the ability now for women to do whatever we want is is something that in even in the 70s i really wasn't aware of how controlled women were by the the breadwinner and now if you're winning the bread who's going to tell you what to do and how to do it so raising children takes a lot of work and a lot of responsibility and sometimes that inhibits women from being the breadwinner but now we're figuring out how to make that work and it changes everything but i think there's something about um the way you guys see um the world and the way my generation sees the world and so some of the obvious um questions i get asked now are about this gender fluid kind of thought process and you guys are sort of the poster girl and boy for me <laughs> but um and again it all evolved right it just sort of happened and evolved and uh and and the the story is that the two of you genuinely are this i mean it's not something you had to learn or you copy it just is the way you want to be you like to adrian yeah, loves to yeah dress up and yeah or finding my own clothes at thrift stores right. that might not be in the men's section of the store you know if when i go to a store i'll probably go straight to the women's section because i know they're going to have the best clothes mm-hmm. not because 
um, maybe because nobody went there, or I don't know. I just feel like girls have the best design. So mm-hmm. you know, just like feminine side, I feel is always much brighter and has much more color and love around it. So I always sort of gravitate to that, and I feel mm-hmm. really comfortable there. So I yeah, I think it's very natural. And. and- and the same with you. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you, you'll wear anything that I, is... Yeah, I love to wear anything where I feel beautiful. And it doesn't matter if it's masculine or feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind... I like feeling in control of myself and the way that I am dressing. If it And if somebody looks at me and thinks, oh, that's weird that you're dressing that way or thinking that way I'm like well it's weird that you are not me so why obviously (laughs) you would not be thinking the same thing as me you know or that you don't have the um the spirit to yeah to have that expression I remember um a friend of mine in London reminded me this of this recently when I was speaking at the V&A and she said remember when we would go to Paris and they would hiss at us and 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 spit at us because of the way we were dressed and I thought oh my god that's so funny I totally like who cared right Mm -hmm. I totally forgot because London was so on the other side of you know this creative spirit and individual expression and Paris and Paris is still very conservative today Paris was so conservative that they would look at us like lock them up they're crazy that they're like totally nuts and we were joyous and joy is kind of the word I think about when I think of the two of you that it's a joyous experience bad things are going to happen but then you can have joy in the little things right in just what you put together that joyous feeling when you do that or trying something new that's joyous and that spirit I think is so important in everybody's life and part of it is the way we express ourselves in the way we dress or present whatever it is we want or the statements we make one of my favorite comments is um, there are a few, like when they see pictures of the two of you. No. Who's the boy and who's the girl? And I'm like, Uh-oh. yay! I'm so happy. It wow. means it means it's right that you are even asking that question. That that we're not throwing gender in your face, and that you're asking that is the coolest thing. How fabulous is that, right? And so I, I think, like, even to have that question shows the that person's childhood life experience was so this, and now your generation, the generations to come, are not encumbered by any of that. Like, none mm-hmm. of that matters. To look feminine or to look masculine, I first of all sound so old fashioned, but why would you want to be defined that way? We're all masculine feminine, so we can we all look have both. both. Like, yeah, we both. I mean, I think that all humans at the end of the day are humans, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, when we were seeing like these monkeys and these animals, like, they're all 
the same at the end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like whatever their sexual organ is doesn't even identify whether or not they identify with that at all. You know what I mean? Or if they want to be that in the future or how they want to dress or what they want. I think that gender at the end of the day is kind of, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's like the best way of identifying somebody. No. Never. No. no. It no longer. No, no longer. longer. Yeah. And and it it had a place when there were so many very hard lines, but right now to not have to think about that or worry about that is just so great and so freeing. The other question is, um, why didn't you ask her to shave her armpits? Well, like, why? What are you talking <laughs> about? Why? That's like it's just so I remember when Madonna didn't shave her armpits or whoever was like everybody got all riled up and I think how can you get all riled up over that like that I think I said I love that that's what she wants to do I love it why would I change anything about her she's magic what's what what's going on in your head so it shows you that this this feeling and this what's happening when it gets people to talk and gets people activated it shows that there's a strong energy there it shows that there's something that that a statement's being made that's not um sort of a demand but an energy that's stronger than a belief system that it has it has more of a potential for going on and evolving than when you have to be told that this is what you should do and this is how you should do it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, like, I've had agents before in the past that have been like, I know that this is who you are, like, but <laughs> if there's a client that has that asks you to do this, like, do you feel comfortable? And I'm always like, yeah, I mean, sure, fine, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, it's their image but I mean for me personally for my image I don't ever even like I, I always tell Adrian too I'm like you can leave hair on your face like whatever makes you feel comfortable mm -hmm. you know what I mean or like you can do whatever and, and as long as you feel right. confident in yourself like if I didn't feel confident with having armpit hair or whatever I would shave it mm -hmm. you know what I mean well, and it looks beautiful on you so why shave it? Well, and yeah, he likes it, so I'm like, okay, if you like it too, then I'll definitely keep it. So what do you, what do you think is the, um, Adrian, this is a question for you, because I, first of all, I love the way he adores you. I mean, it's just the coolest. He's, he's just... He's really special. Yeah, I'm thankful. So, so oh, amazing. I know. She's great. So, um... So how do you define beauty? Like, what what is beauty, beautiful to you? Well, definitely confidence. If I see someone that's confident, they're beautiful because they feel comfortable in their own body, and that's super beautiful to me. And you can see that in a person with, you know, your eyes closed or just see it when they walk past you, and maybe you didn't notice them because they weren't, you know, stunning in, in a... In a, in a in a way that like would call attention to you, but once you cross paths with them, you might feel something from them, which is that confidence exuding from them, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. 
Yeah. And describe your mother. My mother is beautiful in every way. <laughs> and she's sexy. And she worked and really, gorgeous. really hard, and too. she's a really hard worker, and she's a real role model and I really look up to her and the women that I see myself most attracted to are the ones that are are, are confident and you know the one the winners like they're just so confident in every way so they're able to be on top of their game and and be much more than just a, you know just a pretty face mm-hmm. or, an, or an interesting person or you know the many different things that a lot of people look to when they want to find somebody to be with or to be friends with. Um, you know, you it's just like a, a combination of, of being all of those things because you're confident with yourself, so you're able to be your your best self. You know, you're able to know what you like. You're not looking at what other people mm-hmm. like. You know what makes you happy, and you know what you like. So you're able to really just be yourself, mm-hmm. and and that's who my mom is. She's just really herself, and. You know, as I see her um, growing older and um, really coming to terms with her life and and being a, a provider and a mother to three, um, I I love her more and more every day because I'm so happy to see that she grows sweeter and sweeter and I never knew that she could always just be a better person every day. and. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Good job, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> really. So, and what do you, what's your definition of beauty? Um, my definition of beauty is someone that's not afraid to be themselves. I mean, I think it's another form of confidence as well. I always admire somebody that's confident, but I think it's somebody that, yeah, like, it's like, this is who I am. This is, like, what I like. And... Then, like, because especially with relationships, it's always like about like finding things where it's it's hard a relationship, mm-hmm. um, where it's finding things like where it's like okay, I like this and you like this, and then you know it's like a puzzle where it's like okay, this might not fit here, but it's gonna fit over here. Mm-hmm. So or like or you know and and I think that Adrian and I work really well together because we're so we help each other in that way. We're like okay, we can get through this to go over to here and it almost was such a physical thing on this last trip because we didn't plan anything so it was like every day we were you know like okay now we have to we want to go over to like to this cave so we're gonna you know take the motorbike yeah like take the dirt bike and like plan our route and make sure we get food on the way and maybe stop and stations here here and here yeah you have to plan it out specifically Mm -hmm. because there's no atm like the atm and gas network across some of these countries (laughs) they don't exist i mean that's the best way to to get to know someone. I used to see it, I used to go camping a lot in the 70s, mm-hmm. and if you really want to know somebody and you go camping with them, like, you have to plan if you're going camping. You're, you're not near food. You're <laughs> yeah, not exactly. near drinking water. You may not see people for a while. You need to know. You need to know you have everything. If there's a storm, if whatever's happening, and so you know the person you're with and you know immediately oh and no phones either no 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 no, no, nothing no No cell phone instant gratification 
So. No, but which wasn't bad, but it was definitely, you know, survival has to do with how you get along together. And, and it's almost like farmers in the 1800s and 1700s, they, they weren't getting divorces. They were, those families were stuck together. They needed each other. They depended on each other. They strategized together. Their survival depended on their cohesive family unit. So all of that is, is seen when you're in these stressful situations where you don't know how you're going to come out the other end, but you better have some planning so mm-hmm. that you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a good ending, not some crazy thing. There's a question I have. So when I talk about you guys or people from your generation, I'm, I think that the idea of millennials and the disruption uh, of millennials um, really caused so much pain and heartache for so many people because what the status quo was worked so well even though everybody knew it's not really working that well and people were kind of doing the same thing over and over again and not it wasn't working so then this disruption came and change has to happen you you can't be comfortable where you are now you're somewhere else and then there's this, the tail end of millennials and then Gen Z. So you mm-hmm. guys are a, a hybrid of, you're, you're really in the Gen Z age. You just make that borderline thing. Yeah. But you have a Gen Z personality too. So you're on that, that cusp of the next wave. And the, the lower end of millennial are more open, less less kind of hard lines on things. So I also noticed that in this group, uh, which is a little different from millennials, you guys have two or three careers or or potential entrepreneurial businesses or you're you're not doing one thing. You're doing (laughs) many things. So tell me about that and why what's in your head about that well um personally i feel like it's i feel like if i were to just stick my mind to one thing i would be afraid that i would be losing out on the other things that i could be trying i found that like as a kid i was focusing a lot on on doing ballet um and I felt like I was almost losing, I mean, I still kept a lot of like my creativity, but I almost felt like doing ballet was not the kind of creativity I ever wanted. So now I feel like I'm like making up for it and being around so many creative people and meeting so many inspirational people. I'm like, well, I can't just do one thing. Like I, I need to be able to say that I tried it and like, And also I found that like as a kid, I was also really scared of rejection and there were certain things in my life like where like I was dyslexic growing up. So there were certain things that I felt like I couldn't do. 
And, um, and then now like, I'm like, wow, I can do everything I want. And it's like express mm-hmm. this like confidence inside of myself. So now I'm like, I need to do everything I want. And I also don't want to feel like I can't be creative because I know that I have something to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so th- I think, you know, a, a really good, uh, lesson that I learned, um, and, and I'm a big believer in, always having as many things as you're interested in in work some of them will have more of your attention than others at different times Mm -hmm. as you know Um, but having that um, is very important but the thing that I believe you have to really figure out early on is what is your purpose so and what and and how do you express that purpose in everything you do so that these choices you make of the things you want to do are in keeping with the purpose so my purpose was i wanted to live a creative life done that per a creative life top number one for me then in that creative life I wanted to be able to help people and make them feel good so I could do anything in that framework so that was good so all of the things I do really fit in that framework Mm -hmm. and so I made decisions about my business and about the direction my company would go in do I want partners do I want to sell it Will that possibly sacrifice a creative life? If it does, many times I didn't take an opportunity and I starved for a while before I had my next, you know, good thing happen. But understanding my purpose was very key because then all of these other things that I've done throughout my Mm. career and my life always sort of fit into I want a creative life I want to have that option so you're basically in some way saying something very similar yeah 100% I mean I want to there's also you were saying that one thing that you wanted to do is like help people and I and I find that I also creatively want to do that in a way that's more of kind of not something that's not really talked about a lot, like with like with sexual things and talking about that. Like I know there's a lot of people on Instagram that I follow that, you know, or talk about like certain, you know, things that like are not talked about, like getting your period or, you know, or having sex or what is sex really, mm-hmm. or, you know, all these things like that, that I kind of would love to since people especially I mean I'm sure in your generation really never talked about it and I know for example like with my grandmother like she didn't even tell my mom about periods Mm -hmm. or anything like that and I think that that's something also that's really relevant in our generation or even and more so in Gen Z Mm -hmm. that um is I think kind of the future because at the end of the day we also are all animals mm-hmm. as well and I think that some people like get a little bit yeah I think the fear of um, 
of knowing or what what that experience is. So one of the things that I'm working on is I'm going to be interviewing uh, five doctors who work on women's issues. Mm. And we're going to talk about what a woman experiences through hormonal changes from pre-puberty through post-menopause mm-hmm. and have an explanation of what goes on when you go into puberty. Nobody really, yeah, there's nobody no, talks nobody about talks it. about it. And, and more people are talking about menopause now, but nobody gives you any information. And so in my, my generation actually was very open oh, in the really? 70s. Everybody oh, yeah. talked about orgasms and how many you should have and how many can you have and like everything. We would have mirrors looking at our clitoris and at, pass the mirror around. So oh. we went wow. off We went off the deep end. I, yeah, the see, party. like, I mean, well, the 70s, <laughs> I think... Well, my, I think my grandma was more of the 60s. So, yeah. No, so, yeah. So I think so, the 70s are yeah. definitely different. But, but, but then, but then, but then you it know, kind of stopped. It stopped, and I yeah, think AIDS was one mm-hmm. of that scare things that stopped it, just like it stopped the gender fluid dressing mm-hmm. and all of that. So this, and this is a very conservative generation. Sex is almost. Not People are too about. tired for sex, almost. People are just talking about how tired they are, rather than and depression. And right, so if there's mental stress and physical stress, and your and your phone is occupying your time, you have no time to caress another human being or to even give someone a massage. Never mind, like have sex yeah. unless it's unless it's some porn sex thing that somebody has. It's either over in this weird section. Or, or uh, almost non-existent. No, and, yeah, there's no uh, there's no romance. No romance. So how can how can sex exist without romance? It can. It can be clinical, but without the romance, there's just it's not going to last a long time. It's it's not. It's mechanical. So they you know robots can do that. Exactly. So now what's your? So we talked about different things how like having more than one thing going on i know you obviously have more than one thing going on oh yeah um you know i just want to experience as much as i can in this life i just when i'm when i'm old i want to be able to say that i really lived my life and that i lived a full life and that i I have so many memories that i can just close my eyes and think of everything that i've experienced so don't you think when you're that age you'll still be having those experiences I'm not too sure you know I don't I I don't know if when I'm older maybe I will live vicariously through my family and try but I may also just want to push my friends and my family to experience things so I think as I as I get older I start looking at like um, telling like stories and trying to um, help people find it within themselves to find that spirit to experience life and to travel and I I try to I try to do as many things as I can so that I don't get bored as well so I feel like if I focus on one thing it just turns into a job but if I have a couple more things going on mm-hmm. then 
I, I feel like I've got a lot going on and I can get like a real a real fun mix going on and um, so tell what are some of the things you're doing just right now like just some things that you do right now um, well, well not this second but in your regular yeah. kind of in my regular day well you know we were just uh, on a trip for two months and I thought that we could stay active um, scuba, and diving. scuba diving and, and doing a bunch of fun stuff but then also at the same time um, we have a project going on with a friend of ours who's a filmmaker and so we've been documenting the, our whole trip, and um, so right now I'm working on. Oh my the god, I'm so excited! Yeah, and it's kind of it kind of reminds me of something that I know that we also have talked about before in the past that I I want to ask you about um, with kind of um, like it's like V kind of like VR or um, AI, and I know that you've talked about before that you've been working with me. I don't know if you don't want. You don't really mm-hmm. want to talk about it too much because it's kind of still in the works. Mm-hmm. But this idea of the film that we have kind of is about this life that you're living. I mean, still alive, but where you kind of are able to have this virtual life that you're living. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily like you are making decisions, but it's not your in a parallel well, it's not a, it's not yeah. like your body is there yeah. it's yeah. And it's like in a parallel exactly mm-hmm. universe yeah well there are um there are some of those in existence now and you know i can tell you about them but they're that i think thinking about that is very interesting mm-hmm. and connecting it to your trip is also um has a, an a, an amazing um possibility for telling stories in a different way experiencing your story and sharing that experience with other people not just visually but physically and and I and all of that's possible in a parallel universe or in other ways through VR too um, but so when you were here before, when you, I was what here kind before, of work you were doing? All kinds of things, yeah, right? Yeah, but I did have like a, a nine to five job. Like what? Uh, I was working in production, so I was doing all the things that go along with the production for a photo shoot and call everybody and set everything up, get all the mm-hmm. bills paid, get everybody organized, uh, send out all the reminders and mm-hmm. set up the meetings, hire all the equipment, That's, get everybody where they got to be and yeah. make sure everybody's having... You know, Adrian's amazing with that. He also, like, when we play shows, my band and I... Our band is actually, speaking of going back to that, is called Come Girl 8. And mm-hmm. it's supposed to be playing off of, like, the name of, like, um, a screen name. Mm-hmm. But also, um, like about like being like confident women that are able to talk about that. And I know that some people are not going to probably think that it's the best name, but it's also something that I think is revolutionary for this time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, come on, get with the program here. Like we're all dealing with this. And honestly, I'm still thinking about what you were saying about, like, I wish that I knew that before. Like, I only recently, like, even learned about a vibrator within, like, because he bought me one. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't even know about no, it. No, see, your generation, this, it is such a conservative time it right really now. It really is. Baby boomers um, 
I mean, don't forget the seventies were the best. Nobody is going to die ever. Mm -hmm. There was the stress level was I, I can't even. I mean, New York was bankrupt, but and people were getting robbed constantly. My apartment got broken into this building a million times, but mm. my stress level was just at such a different place. And the exploration of all of these taboos that had taken place through the 50s and 60s, which were very conservative mm -hmm. times, the 50s and 60s, you know, the 50s and early 60s produced Marilyn Monroe. She was an expression of the repressed sexuality. So she was, she's tintillating, right? She's like, excites everybody her body her everything her uh, so where did that come from her mystery right yeah, so her, her yeah her mystery so her she she was the antithesis of what the 50s and 60s were and then when the 70s came i mean from girdles and corsets to nothing i mean no bras, no underwear. Nobody was going to have anything controlled. Hair on the armpits. Plenty <laughs> of hairy armpits and hairy legs mm -hmm. and whatever. And just letting your hair grow and never getting a haircut. Mm -hmm. Like a haircut. Why would you get a haircut? Men or women, why would you get a haircut? Not necessarily. And, and buying and wearing anything that you loved. Mm -hmm. and never looking like anybody else. And then the sexuality, all of a sudden there's Cosmo, which was so revolutionary. Helen Gurley yeah. Brown was getting, putting these stories uh, in the magazine that had everything to do with exploring your body and all of these books were coming out um, that were about sexual feelings that you never mm -hmm. really understood completely. And I can't tell you how many of these conversations and experimentation and porn becoming pop. Um, I remember there was a porn star, Harry Reams, who was in Deep Throat. So did, have you heard of Deep Throat? So yeah. Deep yeah, Throat. Yeah. It's like a play on the It's a classic. No, but Deep Throat was a, yeah. a porn. This is before Nixon. Deep oh. Throat it was a porn film that was made. And this guy was enormous. And, and this girl had a deep throat. Wow. So, and she, so this was the point. Well, but this was the, the story was, <laughs> was some lame storyline, but the performance was like, what is that? So nobody, I mean, this is a time when people, women are just recognizing that they can have an orgasm. I mean, yeah. that was revolutionary in itself. Oh, like, I think the premise was that the orga, her point was in her throat. That's right. Oh, oh yeah. Right. So, so here, like, throat? I mean, we're just <laughs> trying to figure out where the clitoris is, yeah. never mind throat. And so I had never seen a porn film. Talk about mis mis uh, misinformation. Right. Well. Yeah. So I had no, never seen a porn film. 
And the guy I was seeing at the time, obviously, had seen the porn films. And I remember we were camping one weekend, and we were in, like, nowhere, like, by the river, the Delaware River, and it's all woods, and we go down in this truck to this area we're going to camp and it's quiet Mm -hmm. and beautiful and the river is gorgeous and we're making a fire and it's sort of like around six o'clock and all of a sudden this pickup truck comes down this like what are you doing Mm -hmm. here into our space and it's this guy and there's a girl in the back wearing a white um, sort of like the Gautier bras that he made for Madonna oh, yeah, with the, the pointy, point, and then but tassels. in white cotton, Cute. just plain white cotton, okay, okay, because yeah. that was bras you could wear in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, the madman bras, yeah, yeah. and big white panties. And she's sitting on a tire tube on the back of the pickup truck as it's coming down, <laughs> and they get out and they start a fire like on the other end of the strip where we were. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, excuse me, like what? And so right. the, guy no. I'm, the guy I'm with said to me, oh my God, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. And he said, that's Harry Reams. And I said, who's Harry Reams? And he said, deep throat. <laughs> I was like, I still don't know what you're talking about. So now he's walking around in underwear. Wow, at least he had the, some on. But wait, yeah, and the two of them are like, and so I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what's, ha- what's happening here? Part two. So, of course, the guy I'm with, um, it starts, they're all talking to each other, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then finally I said, you know, I ha- I, I'm, I'm just feeling like I'm not in the know and I'm not comfortable not being in the know. So we ended up leaving to, to my, the guy's dismay, right? And I was like, <laughs> I'm not that adventurous. So I end up going to see Deep Throat. I'm like, holy crap, I can't <laughs> believe it. Now, at the time, this was... So radical, but not. I mean, it was like it never happened before, but everybody was going to see Deep Throat. And where like did you it see was, it? On 40, like in no, the in a regular movie theater. Movie theater. Cool. Wow. No, you, this was like, this is what you could do. It wasn't, it was like, this is new. Oh, you can go see a porn movie. And so I, like, all of this information for women was coming at us, one, mom, mom, one yeah. after the other. And, um, and I thought, oh, I wish I would have looked a little bit more at his crotch. I, like, I didn't get, I'm not sure I got the message in here. <laughs> I totally had no idea what, what that meant or what any of it was. But it was so new and, and open and free. And so women were very experimental, very open. Sexuality was personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, I mean, there were women with women, men with men, women and men together, many women and many women, men mm-hmm. together. And then it went to excess, of course. And then by the time AIDS came, it sort of shut that all down. Now, there was... The, obviously, going over the brink was possible, but 
the fact that there was conversation and experimentation and openness was really healthy, just the way it is with clothes, when, mm-hmm. when you're open and, and talking about feelings and how you feel and what feels good to you and what, what is sex about? Is it to procreate? Is it to relate to one another? And so my question is, at the time, making someone feel good mm-hmm. was a pleasure, right? Yeah. To make someone feel good was a pleasure. I wonder if your generation and people you know mm-hmm. in, in your, and I'm not saying your personal friends, yeah, yeah. but just have the inclination to take the time to step back to make someone feel good. If this is part of the dating process. Now you two are in a relationship and I know you want each other to feel good all the time about everything. Mm-hmm. So it it's part of your being. But do you think it's expressed? It, do you think Gen Z is thinking that way? Do you think millennials think that way? Do you think it's sort of a a, a thing that's happening. What, what's your I thought? Feel, I feel a lot of the generation today maybe looks for uh, taking care of themselves before they look at taking other care of others or ensuring some sort of uh, happiness or gratification in other people. I feel like many people are very um, just in, invested in their own self. And invested in their and their phone, I think too, because I think that especially right now, like it's like so many people with like the Me Too movement and other things like that, they're just like so scared of like of letting themselves be open and wanting to give other people themselves or being okay with being so open that they're almost afraid to be like that. And it makes me kind of upset because at the same time, it's like, I understand, obviously, there's issues with that. And I totally, totally feel for people that go through that. But at the same time, if you can connect with somebody and, like, find a way where it can work, then you shouldn't have to constantly be worrying about that or seeing or feeling these things on your phone or being so depressed all the time. Mm. I notice so many people always being talking about being depressed and I think it has to do with not letting themselves go, letting them giving giving cuz also giving yourself giving somebody else pleasure is just as good as getting pleasure. Yeah, yeah. and that's why maybe the, uh, a lot of our a lot of the a lot of us in this generation ex- don't experience much happiness because we aren't trying to make other people happy and and you can really experience true happiness when you help others experience it mm-hmm. or can, like giving compliments or telling yeah like mm-hmm. telling somebody like i love the way you're dressed mm-hmm. i love how confident you look or i love your makeup or, even or like a simple hug a simple yeah. hug exchange really just does so much mm-hmm. to someone's spirit it, it changes you. Like if you hug someone, smiling, shaking their hand, or just smiling waving at them and laughing, and smiling, laughing. yeah, it's huge. Yeah, you see somebody on the street and they look like they're having a bad day. Smile at them. Yeah, and they, it might change their whole day. Yeah. So um, when 
you talk about um, we're having this conversation about being generous to, mm -hmm. to other people and giving them pleasure or doing even just giving someone a facial or a hand massage. We talked mm -hmm, about that. Yeah. But what about um, doing things for the community or giving back or what are your thoughts about that? Like what's happening in, in your world with how, how you deal with that? I think about these, these, the young kids in the high schools who are having all of these violent actions taking place mm -hmm. and how intelligently they're articulating the, the fears and the, 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 the more kind of they're taking hold of their future and they're taking hold of their generation and speaking up for it. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are your thoughts about how to deal with the community or give back? Um, I feel like there's a bunch of different organizations that um, are, you know, raising awareness. Um, I have a friend who is also a musician. Her name is Ju Julia Cumming, um, and she uh, has this group called America Can Be Power, um, and she has, like, all of these mainly women come in and speak up about, you know, t like popular topics to see what they can do instead of what they can't do. Cause a lot of people tend to feel hopeless, you know, but there's several organizations. And I mean, the world, like, like you said, like, it's like, it's, ne it's constantly, you know, it goes, it progresses and it go comes back in so many different mm -hmm. ways that it's, it's never, I mean, probably it will never be perfect, but there's certain things that you can do to help at least one person or a group of people. And recently we, we didn't even know about the amount of, we Un unexploded um, ordinances. Yeah. You can talk about this. Cause I'm oh yeah. Uh, there was a, an amazing uh, institution or foundation that we learned yeah. about in Laos and, um, they, um, mining international group. It's yeah, mine, yeah, mine, mine, mine advisory group. Oh, advisory group. Uh, MA, yeah, MAG. And, uh, they work with, uh, efforts to clear, um, areas of the land that are, um, otherwise not usable because there's, um, unexploded, uh, bombs or bomb mm. fragments. Uh, and those, uh, really affect a, a lot of neighbor, a lot of communities in other countries that, uh, we may not really be, um, affected by because we're so disconnected from them um and uh yeah and they just clear they clear uh parcels and, and different like areas so that the communities can um benefit by being able to uh new use new farmlands mm -hmm. and have or develop as a nation you know develop as a nation and just have like a better life overall for um their families and uh and i think that um just looking back on um how to help or how to be more in, invested in the community, which is a global community, because uh, we like to think of ourselves as uh, one one nation, you know, one one universe, one one mm -hmm. planet, 
um, it's not only like this is my this is my street or this is my state or this is my government this is my religion this is my ideology this is my country it's also like we're one world and all of all of everything is shared in this world um, whether people want to keep it from one person or another but you know if you want to have an impact whether it's like a personal impact and you see somebody on the street that might need a hand or it's a friend that might need somebody to talk to or it's um, somebody in a distant country, you know, if you can have some sort of a, a impact on them, whether uh, it's uh, something that will change their life that day or in the future, as long as you can um, find, find it within you to give some time or some thought to someone else other than yourself, you're already making much more mm -hmm. difference than if, if you don't give any attention to anyone outside yeah. of your immediate circle, which is just... And raising awareness, too, like, in whatever way, shape, or form, like, if it's on, you know, social media, or if it's just telling somebody, or talking about this organ, this MAG organization on this podcast, you know, raising awareness to people that might not know mm -hmm. about certain things, or a few years ago, I started donating money every month to Planned Parenthood after, um... Trump got elected and um, just because I felt like I needed to do something to help mm -hmm. and um, I and I I and personally if I needed that kind of help I would hope that somebody else was helping these mm -hmm. kinds of organizations with you know getting the morning after pill or if you know they get sick to get mm -hmm. the necessary medication that they need if they don't have health insurance because health insurance is so mm -hmm. or any to get any kind of medication is so expensive so something like that i think is important or at least to feel like you're doing something because mm -hmm. i think that it does yeah feel that i way. i think finding out about um what is needed and what you connect with. You know, it's interesting. Um, Planned Parenthood has taken so many, um, it's become relevant in so many different ways through the, through the decades. And I remember um, in the 60s and 70s when the conversation about abortion um, started, it was obviously something you couldn't get. It was very yeah. hard to get. And, um, and, and many uh, abortions were done illegally. And, and so that's, I, I want to do a whole topic on this because of my personal experiences with abortion oh, too. Yeah. And, um, but then um, we didn't have any sonogram pictures. And we didn't have any reference Way to telling, what was yeah. happening in our bodies. And now, two weeks after conception, there's stuff happening. And the more sonograms I see, the more vivid this living human being is inside, and it's weeks old. Or, yeah. and, and so my, my heart starts to think, oh my goodness, would I, even though I felt I needed for my survival to get an abortion, mm -hmm. that I had to, um, would I have done it if I would have seen a sonogram? Would I have been able to emotionally yeah. gone through that? And so the big question 
is, yes, every woman should have the right to determine what is right for her body and her life. Mm -hmm. However, why do women have to go through that experience? Why do you have to make that choice? Mm -hmm. Isn't there something that can be done medically? Haven't we come far enough to be able to prevent it getting to that point? So if yeah. you get pregnant, the morning after pill should be leap years ahead right now mm -hmm. where you can, you really can before anything gets to the point where you have to make a decision mm -hmm. about your the rest of your life and the potential human spirit that's inside of you. Think about the enormity of that decision. It's, I mean, it's, it's a beyond. Life, it's a life changer, it's a and life. especially like being a woman too, where it's like, it's so emotional that whole process as well, like into like to bear a child, to give yeah. birth to a child. It's like, like I get emotional when I'm like about to get my period, yeah. let alone like so, when I'm like, yeah. If so I'm you can imagine. And now there's so everyone is having such a hard time to mm. get pregnant, such yeah. a hard time. And there, there are statistics now for men and the fertility in men has dropped tremendously. I think it's now there are stats um, in in the Western world that men's sperm count is dropping and dropping, and the potential for men to reproduce is threatened. And there's research being done um, because the chemicals alone in the air, the chemicals in our lives and what we eat and everything around us are affecting your generation in an incredible way. So being healthy and fit and doing everything right and super, super aware of, of what you're exposed to is critical for your reproductive health. Mm -hmm. So in my generation, everybody got pregnant by just looking at each other. And of course, everybody was experimenting sexually and not with condoms and not yeah. with any. So you like you could get pregnant by sneezing and you were <laughs> pregnant. So the the whole idea of that happening, not having a real sense, you know, oh, it's a tadpole. That's, you know, that's not a big mm -hmm. deal. But the thought that women still have to be making this big, big decision about their bodies, their lives ahead, and what's going to happen to them. So uh, uh, my feeling is that the role of Planned Parenthood is greater and greater, not only in helping people procreate and have healthy children and bring awareness to why sperm counts are dropping and why all of this is happening, but also bringing, bringing forward the conversation that we need to have some research done on that pill, the morning after pill, being safe. Mm -hmm. being available and so that if you know that having children is something you can't afford you're not physically emotionally ready to have you're not having this incredibly difficult decision to make mm -hmm. and like I said I don't know 
how I would have handled it. I just right. can't imagine. And it was so traumatic for me then. And it was it was done in an illegal situation, and it was devastating, and the details are gory. And uh, but um, I there was no question in my mind I was not going to have a kid. But mm -hmm. had I had more information, I don't know. So everything is changing so quickly. But mm -hmm. you're you're being exposed to a whole other set of toxicity in the environment Where and your lives and the, your lifespan everybody's looking now it's like is is it going to get shorter is it because of all of this that there's a, a, a chance that a healthy life is going to be defined by less years so for me, this healthy lifestyle conversation is a survival for your generation. Like, you don't have a choice. And now there's all this proof about alcohol being terrible for you. So why drink? Why yeah. drink? If you're driven for your career, driven for your goals, driven for everything, and you don't put yourself first, and you think about what you're putting into your bodies and how you're treating your bodies as the most important thing, then that's the decision you have to make. But the information is not out there. I mean, there's not enough. But there's more and more now just about alcohol, even red wine that was like, oh, this is good for you, the, you know, the grapes, and the, you know what? Eat grapes <laughs> and make sure there's no pesticides on them. Chemicals, yeah, chemicals, chemicals is the pesticides that are the real kind of culprit when it comes to this sperm issue. And so I think besides that, in that sort of seriousness that your generation has to look at. I think that there are still hopes and dreams, and so what are the hopes and dreams for your generation? What, what do you think they are? I think uh, number one would be to see no plastic in the world, and the oceans becoming healthy again, and the environment just generally just somehow coming back to where it should be. What do you do for sustainability? What are some of the practices you have in your house? Do you have plastic bags, plastic cups, plastic bottles in your house? Well, we you reuse, well, right now we actually do have some plastic, but we're, I mean, it, the thing is, this is a process, I think, you know, um, to if just If it's like, reusable plastic, yeah, um, no, I think I, if it's I think something you okay. can reuse, mm -hmm. then obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have, um, bottles that we take around fill up with our fill up with water we have like um, a Brita that we use to filter our water yeah we're cooking, um, at, we're cooking at home and shopping yeah, we, at farmers markets yeah. to cut down on our you know intake of delivery we don't want to order any more food to the house we have reusable bags that we'll take to the supermarket mm -hmm. so there's just or and one thing a huge thing is cutting out plastic straws we know you know whenever somebody tries to give us a plastic straw we tell them like no mm. and yeah we'll give it back yeah we'll just give it back to them <laughs> like you can give it to somebody else that i know will probably use it but we don't want to even use this it. morning you know we we, had, we stopped for breakfast they bagged um a sandwich that we got 
And I, I right at the counter, I just took our things out. I handed you your food. I handed, I got my food, and I gave the back bag back to them. Right. And I saw them put it on the side, and they're going to use it for the next person. Mm-hmm. And it's just one bag less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I. I. Yeah. I think you. You have to start setting rules. I mean, it's very easy to start in your house mm-hmm. and say, I don't want to have. No more plastic bottles. Have a Brita. Have glass wherever you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and find things that can substitute for some of the habits that we've gotten into. Mm-hmm. We just had... Just waste. Yeah. Like, so much waste all of the time, everywhere. All the time. Yeah, just buying less, consuming yeah. less. It's possible. You know, we've we visited a lot of these countries that are living sustainably just because they only produce just it. enough. Yes. And it's like, you can really live a lifestyle on that principle. Mm-hmm. Just consume only what you actually need. need. And you can have such an impact. So in your... Like... like I I totally agree, and I think we eat too much food, and if we eat better food, it's better. And so when it comes to clothes, everybody has too many clothes, right? Mm -hmm. Unless it's something that you're going to have forever, that you love so much that you'll have forever, or you then give it to somebody else because you, you had your fun with it, and now somebody else can use it. So if you both had to pick... If you could not, if you could only have three pieces of clothing, that's it, mm-hmm. and that would be what you would have to wear for as long as you knew the years ahead. That was it. Those three pieces. Can you identify what those three pieces are? Well, we kind of did that when we were in Laos. We, so what were they? Oh, oh, okay. Well, um, I have these pants that my friend gave to me from Berlin that I'm really obsessed with because they have a million pockets on the side. <laughs> so um, you can fit a bunch of things inside of them. And then and they're strong. They prevent and you from getting str- rabies. Yeah, I got bit by a monkey. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And oh my god. Strong. Yeah. I don't. You, and I know you. When I told you about the pig, I can't even imagine you being there with, with me telling you. Like, oh well, that's god. for the next podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, but solid pair. Of yeah. Pants. Yeah. Solid pair. Yeah. So I like. I really like these pants. I'll bring. I'll bring them the next mm-hmm. time. I love we're pants to- with pockets when yeah. I travel. I think that love we it. should. I think that we should re- re- recreate well? these. These are some some pretty amazing pants. Velcro. I know you love Velcro. Um, And what else? And then probably like a top. I mean, I had this one top that I think is cute. Or the top, your top. I love this one. I brought this one with me. Um, Which is, I like the idea of it being like a bathing suit kind of. Because if it gets, it's not where it's like... um, where it's where it's it's warm, but then if it gets wet, then you're like you're a comfortable mm-hmm. you know temperature, right. and then probably just like a big jacket. So if I get cold or like oh or you know what um, I didn't have, but I wish I did have is a jean jacket. A jean jacket is always good rain because coat. we're a raincoat. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yours. You know, it, shoes are really important to me. So just like one really good pair of shoes because. I mean, I know, I know we can walk around barefoot. But like, which really one? Which specifically one? Which pair of shoes would be? I think, 
it's yeah. <laughs> as you were getting your I combat wanted to, boots. You know, these combat boots that I'm wearing right now, I wanted to take these with me on the trip, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be too hot. But now looking back on it, I think I would have been they just would've, fine with these. Would've yeah. been, <laughs> it would have been probably good for the bugs, too. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Definitely these combat boots. Uh, these are these are really special to me because I found them in an Army-Navy surplus mm-hmm. store, and they were on display. And... Um, I asked the guy, and it was actually before boots. the shoot. It was before our shoot. Oh yeah. my goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the shopkeeper. I said, "Do you have these uh, these shoes?" And he was like, "Yeah, let me check the back." I was like, "No, I want these." I was like, "Can do you have the other one to this one?" He was like, "Well, let me check." And he said, "You know, it's funny that you asked for these shoes because these are actually from the military." And they, oh, they I love used. it. So they're really. Like, yeah. they're not new. Because, you know, I don't want to break something. Right. I want something to be broken exactly. for me already. I like used clothes. So, so what else? These boots. Um, I have two pairs. I have, a, I have a bunch of jeans. But let's say that... You have three I, pieces. Just pick one pair of jeans. I'd probably take the darkest ones, either okay. black or dark blue. And good. then what else? Jeans, you can really wear them every mm-hmm. day. And a jean jacket. Okay. Know, it's really simple. I don't need a shirt. My dad always wears a full Canadian tux too, so maybe I'm in. That's what I'm into. So, <laughs> so the the uh, I'm thinking about what fashion means and like where we are and going forward, and I think the idea of comfort and sort of safety in familiarity has big place whether it's comfort food or feeling good and safe and your boots and those jeans and those pieces that make you feel like safe and good whether it's a jeans jacket or a trench or whatever I think that type of dressing that commodity thing is is going to have a very strong base now and then I think on the other end of the spectrum it's like one of a kind pieces oh yeah I think so too right yeah. one of a kind that you just can't live done just, yeah like done. a piece that you see, that like you somebody it. sees and they're like they're like you were made for that yeah. And that you never throw it away. Mm-mm. And so... And you'll com- fix it when it breaks. And, and repair it. That's and repair how I feel about yeah. this, this fur jacket that yeah. I have. Yeah, so me too. Like yeah. I have... and Or if I have a pair of shoes I love, I will... Oh, me too. Rebuild them. them uh, you can ask Jennifer. Rebuild them a hundred mm-hmm. times before I'm giving them me up. Me too. So I, I think having something for a long time... And we're talking about sustainability and fashion now, right? Mm-hmm. So the sleeping bag coat is a perfect example. You can have that for a lifetime as long as you have a sponge and soapy water. You can clean it, put it away, and every winter you have the coat. So those jeans, the combat boots, your pant, the jacket, all of those things are forever. Mm -hmm. And then all of those one-of-a-kind special pieces that you wouldn't want to give away, that you want to keep forever... That, I think, is the essence of what a sustainable wardrobe is going forward. And I really think um, perfecting that, every, every, every experience we have, and adding all those one-of-a-kind pieces. And adding, and adding your personality as you grow and on top how, of exactly. it, too. And then taking something that you loved at this point and you still appreciate and love and mixing it with some new and I think the craft quality of one of a kind and taking down these this mass fashion and mm-hmm. whatever kind of thing we're calling fashion now and just making it more and more that feels like 
a very healthy direction to go in for personal style and expressing yourself. So, yeah. so on this note, oh, personal I feel like style, I want to ask so many more well, we, questions. We have many more we okay, can cool. do. Okay, so yay. on this note, we, um, the two of you are, I think, a great expression of joy and the future and I'm so happy you're in my lives I love you both we're very so much we're so thankful that you're in our lives and thank you so much for doing this with me I really appreciate it I really appreciate we are you so, grateful. so thankful to be here yes, today. thank you so much thank you